I know this year has been pretty complicated, and I don't know, you know, probably those you know, medical workers, doctors, and others, uh, nurses in, in the medical world have had a complicated year, but I think also moms have had a comp- uh, complicated year with uh, all that's gone on this last year. So thank you uh, to moms in the room, and I hope you have a great, great day. I also want to mention uh, someone else you might say a kind word to of encouragement, our pastor, Pastor Jeremy Haynes, who serves as our pastor of evangelism and discipleship. Uh, Jeremy graduated from Southern Seminary on Friday afternoon in Louisville, Kentucky. He's been working on this master's in the area of theology with an emphasis in biblical uh, counseling. He's been working on this for four or five years, and he hasn't made a lot of noise about it. He hasn't complained. It's been pretty interesting. Uh, We'd kind of forgotten, a couple of us on staff, that he was still working on this, and he was going to take this week off, and we asked, why are you going to take the week off? He said, I'm graduating this week from seminary. I'm getting my master's. And so uh, Lexi and their four kids got to join him there for the graduation, as well as his parents, uh, Lester and Leah Haynes. I got to be with them, and uh, they just had a great celebration. So if you know Jeremy, send him an email. You know, he's often up here helping communicate what's going on at the church and leads so many of our ministries, and and, uh, many of you are aware of him. Just send a thank you to him, would you? And also, I've been talking with some friends who have connections in India, and India has been an area hit so hard by a specific strain of the coronavirus in the last several weeks. And um, just want to say to those of you who have family or friends in India that we've been praying for them, and I encourage us as a church to keep praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in India. There are huge opportunities for the gospel, but in talking to one of our ministry partners there uh, not too long ago, the, they communicated with me that we're probably now at a point that so many people have been ill or have died of the coronavirus in India that most people living in the United States who are of Indian origin have a friend or a family member who has been uh, killed by the coronavirus. And we need to be aware of that. And if you're uh, from India or you have, again, friends or relatives there, please know we're praying with you in this journey. And it's, it's tough. But we're also praying that the gospel will be clear, that people will come to Jesus as a result of what they're going through there. Uh, please know that uh, we're praying for you if you've been directly impacted in your family or in your friend circle regarding that. I've been thinking for several months about what I would share on Mother's Day this year. We didn't have the opportunity to gather on campus. We could gather online, as many are doing right now with us, but we weren't able to gather together. And I, I, I really began to think of some passages that were precious to my mom and decided to speak on the theme of the five things my mother taught me about God. The five things my mother taught me about God. Those of you who know a little bit of my mother's story, it's a pretty complicated story because before the term traumatic brain injury was even uh, a term used for serious victims of accidents with a blow to the head, my mother suffered a traumatic brain injury at the age of 14 in a car accident. She was knocked unconscious in that accident and was unconscious and unresponsive uh, for over three months, almost three and a half months. She turned 15 in that coma in uh, May of, of uh, 1962. And uh, that dramatically changed her personality, changed everything. When she woke up, uh, she was alert, but she had to learn to walk and talk and rebuild memories. And when you learn to walk and talk and do those things a second time, uh, when you get into your teen years or your adult years and you do that after a, a blow to the head like she had, you actually have a lot of fears, and so you don't have the same kind of walking pace, so she never really bent her knees when she walked. 
She could never drive. She could never do a lot of things in life. It affected her physically. Her motor, spine motor skills were just gone. And part of it is back then they didn't have the physical therapy, the occupational therapy, all those things that would come along with an accident like that today. But if she were to grab a bottle like this, her motion would be very robotic and she would latch on and then tighten her hand because that just, she just was never retrained how to process those fine motor skills. And so she dealt with that her whole life. And her personality changed. She began to have uh, emotional imbalance and mental health issues. So she could be calm one minute and angry and upset the next minute and calm again. She could be laughing and then crying. And it created a lot of chaos in her home. She could go through bouts of depression where she wouldn't get out of bed. And I would, like seven or eight years old, have to make, which my dad liked, liver and onions and stuff like that. And I'd call my grandmother, what is liver and where do you find it? And dad says, by the time he gets home, it's somewhere in the freezer and I got to have it ready for dinner. It just created a lot of chaos. And yet my mom knew Jesus when she was a little girl. She'd been active even as a young teenager already in the youth group at her church and loved the Lord and was serving the Lord even when the accident occurred. And so when she took all of that with her into life and then into her own family, as she would have two sons, my brother and I, that created chaos in our home, uh, to say the least. And I, I just sort of thought of this that I wanted to share with you today about my mom as we look at some of the passages that just stand out when I think of her and we look in the scriptures in a moment. In her physical, mental, and emotional brokenness, my mother had the greatest spiritual influence on my life. In the chaos of our home, she became my great spiritual mentor and influencer. And believe me, there was a lot of chaos in her home. Uh, the full story of growing up in a home with a mother who loved Jesus but was dramatically impacted by a traumatic brain injury is in the memoir I wrote a few years ago called All But Normal, Life on Victory Road. And uh, you can get that in our bookstore on Amazon. I'm saying that not because I make money off the book. Uh, as a matter of fact, anything that we receive, Les and I receive for the book, we give to ministry, we don't keep any of it uh, for ourselves, and uh, we just determined to do that over time, and I haven't sold enough books really for it to matter anyway. <laughs> um, but it's available on you know, Kindle and those kind of things. There's an audio version that I read. But why I share the book is because I've learned over years that there are a lot of people who had childhoods like mine, people who went through the adultification of childhood where you were doing things like making dinner at seven and doing things that because you became the parent to your to your parent, and you dealt with that maybe because they, one or both parents had mental health issues or alcoholism or anger, or there could be a traumatic brain injury, some other disability, some other challenge. And so there are others who have similar stories, and the, the, the fuller story of what happened, of course, is in that memoir, All But Normal Life on Victory Road. And you may, after I speak to you for these few moments about these five things my mother taught me about God, you may say, boy, he was pretty harsh on his mother. Or you might say, wow, he gave his mother a pass on certain things. And that's not my intention to do either of those. My intention is to say how much I love my mom. What a great testimony for Jesus Christ she was in my life. She was my greatest spiritual influence and still is the greatest spiritual influence in my life, even though she's now with Jesus I, I, I want you to know that if you think something's out of balance what I'm saying, that you get the full balance. When I had a chance to sit down over the course of five years and put that together in a memoir, and hopefully that would be a blessing and encouragement to you. As we look at these five things, just to give you a glimpse of my mom and dad, just about the time they were getting married, um, this is them, uh, just, probably just about the time they were getting married. Uh, she was uh, 18 in this picture and would get married at the age of 18. 
and uh, my dad was about 20 at the time. Uh, he was the driver in the accident that occurred. They were dating when he was 16 and she was 14, and um, they had that head-on collision. My dad, over the years, really loved my mom deeply, and he tried to make it work, but often as he would come home from the factory where we worked for 40 years in our hometown there of Mishawaka, Indiana, just next door to South Bend, Indiana, when dad would come home and try to deal with the complexities of mom, if she hadn't got out of bed or she'd not cleaned the house, which she never did, anything that he was trying to deal with, sometimes he was throwing gasoline on the fire, when making it worse, and so it was a lot of tension. But this is my favorite picture of my mom. I've shared this many several years ago. This is a picture of her at age 18, and my dad, when he was in Vietnam, had someone uh, take a little photo he had in his wallet of her, and they created a painting that we have that's a beautiful painting and a great, great picture of my mom, and that's what I, how I uh, think of her as I think of, of uh, my mom even on a Mother's Day like today. These five things are things that kind of emerge from her life, but really passages that she latched onto or passages that I think of when I think of mom. The first one is simply this. The first thing I learned that my mother taught me about God was that only in God can we have true hope. Only in God can we have true hope. Our house was a house of chaos. It was a house that was just a little less than 900 square feet, and that included a pretty large utility room, laundry room. Uh, we didn't have a lot of space. We didn't have a dining room. And so the kitchen table was a place where we would eat all of our meals, and it was right there in the kitchen. You couldn't really get any more people around the table than the four of us. And that was also a place of chaos. We could be having a calm dinner, and all of a sudden something would trigger my mom, and she would begin to yell and scream and cuss and throw things, and dad would say, get under the table, and it was a chaotic place, and, a, and, a, and there was a lot of stuff that would go on. She'd be screaming, and stuff would take place, and then she might calm back down, and sometimes even in the middle of that, she would just look up and say, come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Or she'd say, help me out of this mess. She would, she would just, in the middle of the brokenness and the pain, she would cry out to God. And one thing I saw from a very early age throughout all of, of my growing up in that house and until she went to be with Jesus when I was about 34 years of age was I saw a woman who was trapped in the torment and challenges of her physical limitations, her emotional limitations, her mental health struggles. And yet, in the midst of all of that, her hope was deeply rooted in her Savior. And she latched on to that hope. Verses like the verses found in Titus 2, verses 11 through 14 come to mind when I think of her hope. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. This passage talks about our hope. There's a, there's a past version of this hope, and that is that Jesus is the grace that has been revealed. God the Son lived in human flesh. He died on the cross, was buried, and was raised for us. He then ascended to the Father, and one day he's coming again. So presently we can live our lives based on the hope that's found in the grace in Jesus Christ. But also there is this hope that one day he's coming, and he will make all things right, and that day will be the day that Jesus will be revealed to all in his second coming. And my mother knew the hope of Jesus as her Savior, and she knew that one day he was coming. And in the midst of her brokenness and pain and struggles in this life, 
she latched onto that hope and said, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Then another passage that stands out to me is found in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21 and verse one says, this is by the way, after Jesus has returned in the second coming, and he's judged the living and the dead, and now he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth for all eternity where all of his children will dwell with him. John has this great revelation. The apostle John sees this glimpse of what Jesus is going to do in making the new heavens and the new earth. And look what this vision is like in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed by her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Then this verse, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. You look at that, no more death or mourning or crying or pain. At age 52, the very injury that caused her torment in life took my mother's life. She was always falling and she didn't have the fine motor skills like if she tripped right here to fall, most of us would reach and grab this podium to catch ourselves or we'd catch ourselves as we went to the floor, maybe break our arm doing it. But she fell like a tree. She, when she fell, she couldn't move that quickly to catch anything and would just take down whatever was near and at age 52, she slipped and hit her head while showering and drowned in just about three inches of water. And she went to be with Jesus. Well, that was hard to say goodbye to my mom. What was and has been for these 21 years since that day she stepped into God's presence, what has been uh, the hope that we've held on to is the same hope she held on to, and that's Jesus. And those who go before us into the presence of the Lord taste of this no more tears, no more pain, no more mourning, no more disease, no more sorrow. They experience it now before God makes it true in Christ for all eternity when he makes a new heavens and a new earth. And so my mom has no more pain. There'd be times she'd have an outbreak and at the table and have an emotional breakdown and it would just get chaotic and we'd get under the table. Sometimes my dad would have us try to come around behind her and hold her until this rage would pass. And um, there were times that she would just start crying and say, I don't know why I'm like this. And she, there's no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. And so on this Mother's Day, I celebrate that my mother is whole and home with Jesus. Would I love to have her? Would I wish my kids would have known her more and been able to see what I saw in her? Yes. But we all, when we know Jesus, have this incredible hope that's here in this life, and it is an incredible hope for all eternity. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, then you're latching on to the hopes of this world, your job, your career, your finances, your resources. Maybe even if you're trying to be religious, you're latching on to the hope of your good works and all that. None of that matters and none of that measures up. The only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. And if you've joined us online and you haven't come to that place that you've put your faith in Christ, put your faith in Christ today. Put your faith in the one who died, was buried, and rose again for you. 
And if you do that and you pray and receive Christ today, we want to encourage you. You can just uh, text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen and we'll follow up with you, send you some resources to help you grow. Someone on our staff will reach out to you so that we can walk with you as you come to Christ and you latch onto the hope that God offers us in his son Jesus. If you're in the room, you can do the exact same thing. You can text the name Jesus to that number. But you can also stop by. I'll be on the patio. We'll have some care team members down front. You can talk to them. My prayer is that on this Mother's Day, you would know the hope my mother knew that I know because my mother shared that hope with me, the hope that's found in Jesus. First thing I learned from my mom is only in God can we have true hope. Secondly, uh, the second lesson I learned from my mom about the Lord is that Jesus is often seen through our struggles more than our victories. Jesus is often seen through our struggles more than our victories. There are some forms of Christianity that say you will never be unhealthy, you will never be unwealthy, that if you really are a person of faith, you'll never be sick, you'll never have any troubles, you'll never deal with any of that because your faith will be stronger or that God will always give you a miracle. Now, I believe in miracles and I've seen people healed and I've seen God do some amazing things in people's lives. But the majority of the time, God wants his glory to shine through us in our struggles more than in our victories. Hear me in this. My mother was able to shine for Jesus in the brokenness and the groaning, as Roman 8, 8 talks about. That traumatic brain injury left her body and her mind and her spirit groaning for the day it would be made new, the day that she'd be with Jesus. And sometimes we think that the great way people will see the evidence and the power of God is through a miracle, but sometimes God chooses to use our struggles to demonstrate his power and his glory. The world looks around and they see Christians and they say, wait, he's going through cancer and they've got that difficulty. They went through a divorce and, and, and she's struggling with that traumatic brain injury, but somehow they have joy, they have hope, they have strength and it's coming from somewhere. Where's it coming from? And they see in our struggles the glory of God, the power of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. They see evidence of God in our lives. And I can tell you that in, in our life, we saw that. My mom and dad would get married, as I mentioned, in March uh, 1966 in my home church, which was also my mother's home church where she grew up, in Twin Branch Bible Church in Mishawaka, Indiana, northern Indiana, just outside of South Bend. And nine and a half months after they were married, I came along. And then about three and a half years after that, my brother came along and spoiled our perfect harmony that we had. <laughs> so then you had these two boys in their home that they would raise, and... Um, these two boys would be raised in a home full of chaos and things throwing through the air and being, being cussed out. And yet we went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. We were involved in all different ministries. My parents deeply loved Jesus. This is a picture of us in the early 70s as a family. And I, I, I guess I like this picture because I think my brother and I still don't have any idea of what we're going to really be experiencing. At this point, all that we were going through we thought was normal. And this is in the early 70s, and the 70s would be the primary decade in which I came uh, through childhood and into my er early adolescence. Then this photo is of my mom and dad much later in life, just prior to uh, just a couple years before she went to be with Jesus. I think it might be a picture from the rehearsal that took place the night before my brother and uh, his wife were married. Uh, but I, I look at this and I, I see them sitting in a church pew and these people deeply love Jesus in the midst of all this brokenness and pain. 
And through their struggles and our struggles, and my dad is still alive and lives in Indiana, uh, but uh, people saw Jesus in the Thornton family. And now it's just my brother, my dad, and me, and we've gone through all those experiences of decades of, of dealing with mom's brokenness and pain. And, and we carry with us, though, the reality that sometimes God's glory is seen in our brokenness. The Apostle Paul deals with this a lot in the book of 2 Corinthians. Matter of fact, he says, I three times begged God to take away this physical ailment I've had. And he said, but God answered me and said, no, because in your weakness, my grace and power are seen and made evident. And And Paul embraced that and celebrated. If God could show his power through a miracle, Paul was going to celebrate. If God's going to show his his power and his presence and his grace and his love and and all that he is through the struggle, and that's God's choice for me, then Paul said, I'm going to celebrate that. My mom did too. She loved Jesus dearly. But often in my mom... Jesus was seen in her struggles, not her victories. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, these verses talk about we have, these bodies are are, are clay jars. Look what it says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. My mother dealt with the brokenness and groaning and and she understood the sufferings of Christ and that that he lived in flesh and he knew what it meant to be human and and those experiences. And so in her struggles as she carried around the, the very reality of the struggles and suffering of Christ himself and her brokenness and her pain, She was a clay jar that had the light of the glory of God shining through her as she walked with him day by day. And others saw that in her. Not only saw it, but she lived out, and as I think of her on this Mother's Day, she lived out 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We read in this part, just a little bit prior to the passage we just read, Paul writes, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. All comfort comes from God. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. My mother had the comfort of God in moments sometimes we didn't know or understand. We didn't see all the time how God met her in those moments and encouraged her after breakdowns and troubles and physical problems and falling and and the stuff she went through. God met her in moments and showed her comfort. As a matter of fact, at our church on Sunday nights, often people would stand and give a testimony after a song, and they'd say, hey, we're going to take three or four testimonies after this song. And And uh, when my mother, again, with her uh, lack of fine motor skills, would all of a sudden grab the pew on the last line of a song in front of her, latched on, and then as soon as they said that someone would give a testimony, and she would slowly stand, because it took a lot for her to stand up straight, and she would stand up, and she would smile, and they'd call on her, Beverly, you have a testimony? And my brother, my dad, and I would all look at each other like, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. And she'd say, well, this week, Sean has been a little, uh uh-oh. And she would say, blessing to me, even when it was, oh. We would sit there on pins and needles all the way through. Dad glancing at us like, oh boy, if this goes down, get ready to get in the car, boys, was kind of the look. 
But she would say, this week I had a bad day, Tuesday or dinner, I was really out of sorts, or, and God gave me comfort. And my mother was drawn then to comfort those in the church lobby, the church maybe at the most, on average it had about 200 people on Sunday mornings, and, but there were people with a disability or people that were a little awkward or pushed to the fringes, and you'd always see my mom in the lobby. If we wanted to find mom, you didn't find her like with a click of her friends or whatever, you found her drifting to the people others didn't talk to because she took the comfort God had given her and took it to others. And sometimes we are left in brokenness and struggle without a miracle because God knows we can show Jesus more in that than if he did a miracle in our lives. And my mom, in her own way, embraced that and wanted Jesus to be seen in her in every way. Jesus is often seen through our struggles more than our victories. Thirdly, the third thing my mother taught me about God is that a healthy relationship with God is a constant conversation anytime and anywhere. She could be yelling at us. She could be blaming my dad for the accident. She could tell him what she did many times as she get all worked up. She was going to roller skate on his grave one day. She said all kinds of things. She'd use all kinds of four-letter words, call me all kinds of names. We'd be eating dinner, and this would all go down. And then she would just stop, and she'd talk to God. She just starts saying, God, you know I shouldn't be talking this way, and God, you know I shouldn't be blaming him, and God, I know, and all of a sudden she's having a conversation with God, and then she might go right back to, because she, she just knew God allowed her to talk to him in her time of need, wherever she was in that moment. And I learned that my faith is not a Sunday faith. It's not a preacher faith. My faith is a faith that I saw in my mom, which is we can talk to God all day long in every possible way. We can express our fears, our frustrations. Sometimes she used words with God in prayer that I don't choose to use myself in prayer. But she knew that God would hear her. We had a swing in the backyard that we called Mom's Swing where she would sit and uh, she'd read a book or she always had on the ground near her a cup of iced tea. And she could sit there for hours and she'd be reading a book or she'd just start talking to God in prayer. And um, in our house, this is our house on Victory Road, um, you can see the green grass right here. That's where the septic tank was. <laughs> the green grass over here is when the septic tank seemed to get full too often and had to be empty too often. My dad decided to reroute the house uh, kitchen sink and the washing stuff so it comes out a tube out here. And all that stuff was here so you could see, you know, noodles from leftovers and things and wash suds and all right out there. And, but she'd sit out there in that swing. And then in our living room, uh, she would sit and sometimes she'd turn on the TV at 8 in the morning and be there all day. Or if she was in kind of a depression, she'd be in bed all day. But she would gather all this stuff around her. You see this pile of stuff here. There are magazines here. There's Kleenex because she had a lot of sinus and, and allergies. And then when we would clean, which we didn't clean the house at all ever, uh, maybe once or twice a year if somebody happened to be coming. We washed our dishes to eat, not after we ate, because we had nothing in the drawers, no pans, no dishes, so we had to wash them to eat. But sometimes you could find in the stack like an old sandwich she'd eaten partly, and there was usually a TV tray here. And, but you'd also find my mom in that spot just praying, talking to God in frustration or fear, or she'd be upset about something. But one of my most precious photos of my mom that uh, if I lose all of them that I don't want to lose is this picture of my mom in our kitchen, this little kitchen. Um, she um, would help my dad, help my dad to put that in quotes, get up in the morning. He worked at a factory. 
uh, for those 40 years, and she would get up like at five and start making his lunch, and it took her a long time to do anything like that, so she'd work on that. She might pack his bag because he was a founder. He'd get pretty dirty, and he'd take a shower there, so she packed kind of like a gym bag for him, and they would, she would start getting him up, and they'd start yelling, and all that time that they were getting ready, there'd be screaming and hollering, and he didn't know how to respond to it. Later in life, uh, uh, he got better at knowing how to handle her and help her, but they would have these knockdown, dragout fights. He'd be going out the door. She'd still be throwing things at him and screaming at him as he's going out the door. And then it would go quiet. And Troy and I could go back to sleep until it was time to go to school. And we'd come out to go to school all my growing up. Then mom would be at this end of the table with her Bible and her prayer list. And she'd be sitting there reading. Because she knew that conversation was all day long, but she made an anchor moment where she opened God's word and let him speak to her. And when she died, she had all kinds of Bibles highlighted everywhere, underlined, notes in the... And if she went to highlight a passage, it would be like she'd sit there and just because of this accident she had, it would take her maybe five minutes to highlight just one verse in the Bible with a marker. But her Bibles were all marked up because she walked with Jesus and loved Jesus deeply in her brokenness. And I love this image. I love the beauty of after all we heard in the morning as they were getting ready, and then to watch mom walk with Jesus in the calmness and quiet of the time between the time dad got up and we got up. A healthy relation with God is a, is a constant conversation. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to go through the priests and the rituals and the sacrifices. They couldn't go directly to God. When Jesus died, the veil was ripped so we could have direct access to God. And in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, uh, we read about this. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. My mom loved that Jesus had lived in the flesh because he knew what it meant to be human and to experience that without sinning. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Then look at this, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In our time of need. You don't have to just talk to God like in the morning or the evening or talk to God over a meal or at church. But we have, since Jesus ripped that veil, we have access. The Old Testament tells us we can't have access to God without God providing the way. And we have in the New Testament the preciousness of how Jesus provided the way for us to have a relationship with God now and forever. And that is not just access that buys us a ticket to heaven. It is access that allows us to call upon God and receive mercy and grace in the deepest troubles and the darkest times. It's an opportunity for us to talk to God, to have a conversation with him all day long. In in the moment of need, we can talk to him. And I learned that from my mother that we can go boldly and confidently into the throne room of heaven and beg God, plead with God, talk to God, ask him to meet us in that moment. Why? Because Jesus made the access for us and he's now the high priest between us and God. And we have boldness and confidence, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And I learned from my mother that you can go in and talk to God at any time. You can be open and honest with him. She loved the verses in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that talk about not being anxious, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known to God. And then he gives us peace, and he guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I watched my mom often in the midst of an outburst, an emotional breakdown, recenter her life and her thinking to her Savior by just having a conversation with him anytime, anywhere, in the middle of whatever she was going through. You can talk to God at any time. I learned that from my mother. Fourthly, 
My mom taught me about God that God doesn't define us by our worst moments, but by his great grace. You know who will define you by your worst moments who say that sin, that relationship, that attitude, that event, that thing, that mistake, that failure, that thing about you is what you need to be known for. That's your label. That's who you are. And you're defined now by that worst moment, that worst thing. You know who does that? That's Satan who does that, not God. When you know Jesus as your Savior, all of your worst moments are covered by his grace, and even in your sin, even in your brokenness, even in your humanity and your failure, you are covered by his grace, and his great grace is what he knows you by, not your worst moments. Don't buy into Satan's lie. Jesus sees you as his child, and my mother knew this. I'll never forget the night just after I turned 14, when my mom had uh, the, uh, the emotional breakdown that didn't come back from the brink. Often she'd be close where we think, oh boy, this is it. She tried to kill herself, she tried to kill us, there's all kinds of stuff growing up. But there was a time right after Christmas of 1980 where things were going crazy and my dad told Troy and I to go to our rooms. I was about 14, Troy about 11. We were in our rooms, and for the next two hours, you just heard screaming and cussing and breaking and crashing, and my dad trying to hold her and trying to stop her, and just she went over the brink and didn't come back, and police arrived, and my mom was taken away, and she was put in a mental institution. And people at church, praying for your mom. I'm thinking, even I, I, I didn't want people to pray for, tell me they were praying for mom because I didn't want them to know where she was. And... Those moments, those worst moments, those breakdown moments are not what define us. It's God's grace that defines us. And yet we struggle. When mom got out of that institution, that mental health hospital, months later, this photo was taken soon after that. You can see I'm about 14 and Troy's about 11. Troy's still got some old-fashioned bowl cut. I was cool and had my hair feathered to the sides. But if you look at my, my dad has a mustache on, he had a handlebar mustache going way back to this time up until about three or four years ago when he decided to trim it off because he said all these people getting handlebar mustaches were, were infringing on the trend he set. And so he <laughs> shaved that off for the first time in like 40 years. But if you look at my mom coming out of the hospital, you can see in the expression of her face just kind of the, the heartache. And so we were worried, is this stuff, you know, this is stuff that we carry with us. Would it go into our weddings? Here's a picture of my mom and dad at my brother's wedding. And we were worried about, you know, taking this in to our wives. And I remember when Leslie was coming the first time to Indiana to visit my parents. And, I, you know, the, the drive there was like a nine-hour drive. I think I spent four of them explaining, now, you see, we don't clean our house. And... Um, if things are flying, you have to get under the table, and if you get a few cuss words aimed at you, don't take it personally. And, and so we were worried about taking this into our families and what this would do. And, and there is a picture of us in that kitchen with my mom playing a game with uh, Stephanie here, uh, Leslie here, I'm here, and Troy, we, he's kind of out of the photo there, but my mom is there playing that game with us. And fortunately, we had great wives who were able to adapt and could see Jesus and mom in spite of her brokenness and her struggles. But we worried about that going forward and because sometimes we wanted to define mom by her worst moments rather than by God's grace. We even were worried then when the kids would come along. This is my mom with my brother's young, uh, oldest, uh, Caleb. Uh, mom uh, died just a couple weeks after Kylie, the youngest of our, our kids and the youngest of my nieces and nephew. Um, uh, she passed and didn't get to meet Kylie, the youngest of the kids. 
but my mom loved her grandkids. And here's a picture of the grandkids with my mom uh, not too long before she stepped into the presence of Jesus. And there are many ways I wish my mom was here that they could see a woman who deeply loved God in the brokenness and pain and yet pointed to Jesus. But at the same time, uh, I know that uh, she is free and has been for 21 years of all that torment and pain and that God used her to raise up two guys who would love Jesus and serve Jesus as pastors and that he would use them to do things that mom would never do, but he shaped our hearts and our lives in that setting. And we, it took us a while. It took me a long time. I explained it in the book. It took a while for me to defy my mother by God's grace rather than by the worst moments. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 talks about how God is setting a new thing in place. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're told that we, when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. The old things have passed away. And then a passage my mom loved, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, talks about who we are because of who we are in Jesus. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. My mom loved this because she was always beating herself up for her failures and for her falling and for not being able to do the things her sisters did and do the things other church ladies did. And she couldn't drive and she didn't have all those things. And, and she loved these verses that would say, you're a chosen person, you're a royal priest, you're, you're part of a holy nation, God's special possession. You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. She loved that she was that in Christ. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. God doesn't define us by our worst moments, but by his great grace. And we need to understand that. My mom, in her own way, grew, and I saw her become more like Jesus in the areas that she had control over, in the areas of mental and physical and emotional health problems, Uh, there were things that just couldn't change until she was in glory. God doesn't define us by our worst moments, but by his great grace. Fifthly and finally, my mom taught me that as we serve and encourage others, God encourages us. As we serve and encourage others, God encourages us. We read in Luke 6 that that God blesses us in a way that our cup is so pressed down and it's full and it's overflowing he, he blesses those who bless others. In Acts 20, 35, it says, it quotes Jesus saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then I don't know if you've ever seen Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, but it's such a great verse. It, it simply states this, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And my mom understood that. So she taught Sunday school all the time I was growing up. She worked in Awana every Wednesday night in my home church while I was growing up. She volunteered for VBS. She taught ladies Bible studies. She did all kinds of things in this brokenness, in this pain. She served in so many ways. One of the things that my mom and dad did later in life is they started visiting a nursing home uh, as part of a ministry from our church, a nursing home right by our house, and they'd have a little worship service. Dad would lead singing and do a little message, and they'd go visit the people who lived in this nursing home. And mom then, uh, dad got her this three-wheel tricycle, like adult tricycle bike, and she would ride that to the nursing home, and she'd spend two or three hours there. They even gave her a little badge with that tape that printed out. You know, you could turn it, and there'd be a little white lettering on, like, green tape, and it was on there that said she was a volunteer. And when we would go and visit that nursing home with them for, like, one of those ministries, uh, they would tell us how wonderful my mom was and what encouragement she was and how she would sit and listen to them for hours and laugh with them. And, and mom would co- go there, maybe all discombobulated emotionally and mentally, and she'd come back home refreshed and renewed. 
There's a principle that I learned from my mother that when you go out of your way to encourage others, you leave encouraged. When you refresh, you are refreshed. When you serve, you get the joy out of that. These are the things my mom taught me in her brokenness and her pain. And when I think of her today on Mother's Day, I even picture the plaque that's there at her grave that has her name on it, of course, Beverly May. Her maiden name was Beverly May Gilvin. Um, Beverly M. Thornton, the plaque says, and then May 19th, 1947 to April 19th, 2000. But in between here, and there's a little Bible in the middle of that, in between those dates is a life that knew the brokenness, the groaning of this world, but also knew deeply what it meant to walk with Jesus and loved God and walked with God and served others, and God allowed his glory to shine through her. And on this Mother's Day, I can tell you I love my mother, and I've had to deal with some of the stuff from my childhood like some of you have. I've talked to therapists, and they've tried to help me, but if you know me, it's way beyond that kind of help, I guess. But some of you maybe grew up in that kind of setting, or maybe you're a parent and you struggle with some of this. Maybe you think I've been a little harsh on my mom or given a pass to my mom. I would just encourage you to look at all but normal and see it more in its fullest sense. The three reasons I chose to share this message today is, number one, God uses broken people. God uses broken people. And I'm looking at a room full of broken people and you're looking at a broken pastor. We're human beings that live in a fallen world, marred by sin. We're a part of the groaning, but we have hope. God uses broken people. Secondly, for you as parents, kids watch the trajectory of your life. Keep growing in Jesus. Keep leaning into the Lord. You say, oh, but I got this in my background or that, or I blew it. Keep leaning into the Lord. Keep pressing in. They'll see Jesus in you over time. I never defined my mother by one particular moment. It was the trajectory of her life that pointed me to Jesus, pointed my brother to Jesus. You would think two boys that were raised in a setting like this would have rejected God in this kind of thing. But we saw God so clearly in our mother's imperfections. She pointed us to Jesus. Thirdly, there is ultimate hope in Jesus always. And I hope you hear that. I hope you know that in your life and what you're going through. And I trust you've learned some of these same kind of lessons as you've walked in life. But these are the things I have learned from my mother over the years. This is what she taught me when I was growing up. And I hope that these passages and these lessons are things that you can relate to and put into your life. I love my mom dearly, but I'm so glad she is free uh, of all the torment and the, the challenges she had. And I can imagine she was thrilled the moment she met her Savior and she was whole in him and her hope was realized fully. I trust God will allow you to grow in him and lean into him no matter what you're going through in life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for mom. Lord, you know how hard it is for me to tell this story or to try to feel like I'm doing it in some balanced way that would be of help to others. But these are passages, Father, that you put in my heart over the last four to six weeks preparing for this. These are things that just naturally bubble to the surface of what you did in my mother so that I would see Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help all of us to lean into who you are first and foremost. This world tells us we've got to have a certain status, we've got to have a certain look to be successful as Christians when it's all about just walking with you, letting your spirit fill us and guide us and lead us. And Father, I pray that you would use the moms here, the grandmoms here to show Jesus to others. And Lord, I pray that all of us would learn that it's in Christ alone that we can have hope. 
be glorified in us and through our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.